and then turn over to Revelation chapter 2. Acts chapter 16, put something there, your bulletin. You got a little ribbon in your Bible that you don't mind moving. And then turn to Revelation chapter 2. We're going to read from there. <clears throat> this is the fourth church. As we consider these uh, seven churches in the book of Revelation, and again, uh, I really wanted to spend time in these. I felt like it would, it, would, it would benefit us as a church to go through these letters. We will go through the book of Revelation a little bit quicker after we get through chapters 2 and chapter 3. But the Lord Jesus appears to John the Apostle on the island of Patmos, and he has him dictate a message to seven different churches, seven particular letters for these seven particular churches. They're all distinctive. Each church is a literal church that, it, that was in existence at the time that John received this. John would have been privy to these churches. As a matter of fact, most likely John had pastored or was a member in the church of Ephesus. And so he, he knew about these churches. But already, even before the Apostle John uh, would die, already things were taking place in many of this, these churches that uh, needed to be dealt with. Some of them just, one of them just needed encouragement, but most of them had areas that the Lord uh, wants them corrected in. So if you uh, have found Revelation chapter 2, if you are able to stand, let's look at verse 18. Verse 18. So we've covered the church of Ephesus. We've covered, and that's a church that left its first love. What I've done in my Bible is I've highlighted what I thought was kind of the main verse for each letter. So, uh, you know, with Ephesus... Chapter 2, verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. With Sardis, Sardis, fear none of these things. It was a suffering church. And then with Pergamos, I have a few things against thee. And he says that again. And that's in reference to the doctrine of Balaam and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. But now we come to Thyatira. Something significant about this church. This is the longest letter of the seven letters. He has more to say about and to this church than any of the others. So, we begin at verse 18. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman, Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not." Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. 
But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. So obviously some of these people were bearing a great weight, knowing what was going on in the church at that time, and they couldn't do anything about it. Verse 25, But that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. Verse 26, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. Now the morning star is the Lord Jesus Christ. We would find that later on in Revelation chapter 22. He is referred to as the bright and morning star. So verse 29, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. There's a lot there, and so there'll be certain points I'm going to emphasize. Others we're just going to review fairly quickly. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We pray that you bless this lesson, this message to the church of Thyatira. And Lord, as we consider these churches, they are bodies of believers. And inevitably, any particular Christian could be an Ephesian Christian, where we have left our first love. We could be a Christian from Sardis, where we are suffering for the faith. We could be a Christian in Pergamos, where we're finding ourselves compromising with the world for gain. Or we could be a church of Thyatira, who's allowed moral corruption into our hearts and our minds and our lives. I pray the Holy Ghost would bless the service tonight. Help me to speak. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I had you turn Mark Acts chapter 16, so uh, if you have it marked, let's flip over there real quick. So in considering the church of Thyatira, <clears throat> if there is a reference to the city in, in the other scriptures, it's interesting to look and see what it has to say. And there is, okay. In Acts 16 verse 14, we read of a lady named Lydia. It says, and a certain woman named Lydia... A seller of purple of the city of Thyatira. By the way, Thyatira was known for uh, producing purple dye. It was very, very valuable. Thyatira was known for that. So to put this together makes a lot of sense. Lydia, she's from Thyatira, and she's a seller of purple. But she doesn't live there at this time. Okay, so uh, she's of Thyatira which worshiped God, well, let me read it again. (laughs) And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us. So apparently she was a proselyte (coughs) of the Jewish religion, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. I mentioned in our Sunday school class this morning about Lydia and how wealth is not evil. There were some godly people who were wealthy people, and Lydia was one. Okay, she was a lady who had had some money. She was well-financed. 
And we see her heart for the Lord after she gets saved. Well, praise the Lord, her whole family gets saved. She wasn't a hindrance to them. But not only that, she wants Paul, she wants those who are with Paul to stay at her house. She wants to entertain them and take care of them. And so he stays. She's able to do that with pleasure. And so it is very possible, I cannot prove it, but it is very possible that God used this lady to establish the gospel seed in Thyatira. There is a connection, and we learn the Bible from the Bible. Now, whether that be so or not, there is a church in Thyatira. Okay? And so, but I find it fascinating that, well, God does refer to a gal that, that loved the Lord. And as, with all these seven churches, certainly they all started out well. They started out with people who loved the Lord Jesus Christ, who were baptized, immersed. They identified themselves with his death, burial, and resurrection. And they assembled together on purpose, deliberately, to honor the Lord Jesus Christ and to learn and to grow and certainly to, uh, <clears throat> to reach out, to get the gospel out to the community around them. And so now we come back to this church. <clears throat> we don't know where Lydia is in the mix. We don't know if she's still alive, anything like that. But we know there's another woman in this church. Do you remember reading? We, did I lose you already? There's another woman in this church that the Lord points out. And he's very, very poignant in his emphasizing what this woman has done in this church. So before I get to her, let's just work our way through this. Verse 18, the Lord Jesus introduces himself as uh, the one whose eyes are like unto a flame of fire and his feet are like fine brass. I think as we read this to have a little understanding of these of why he introduces himself in a particular way is important. His eyes are like a flame of fire. Okay, I don't that's not difficult. He's getting ready to write to Thyatira, and it's obviously this has him heated. What's taking place in the church that he died for has him heated. He sees his eyes. He knows what's going on, whether the world does or not. He's not happy about it. He's, there's fire in his eyes. When the Bible says his feet are like brass, when you read about brass in the Bible, it refers to judgment. Do you remember the story of the brazen serpent that Moses had to lift up in the wilderness? What's that all about, you know, brazen serpent? Well, it was to typify the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross, which Jesus interpreted it, He interpreted it in John chapter 3. Jesus would take upon him the curse of humanity and be judged for you and I when he was on the cross. That brazen serpent was a picture of that judgment that was to come. The serpent, a picture of the curse. The brass, the picture of the judgment upon the curse. Are you with me? Just give me a head nod or something. Okay. As long as I get a little feedback, I'll keep on moving. All right. So we look at this. He's introduced himself. So can you imagine the, the members of Thyatira? You've got to also understand this. As the letter is being read to the church of Thyatira, let's say it's a church our size. <clears throat> Apparently, there are, there are some people in the church that are doing the right thing, that believe the right thing, and he gives them the admonition to hold fast. 
But there is a large number who have been influenced by an individual in the church. And there's immorality, there's corruption, and it is, it, it's obvious. Just like the church of Corinth when Paul had to deal with that. Are you with me? All right, so in the same house, assembly, this is going on in a, in a literal sense. <coughs> now, again, I also believe these churches represent certain ages, time periods, of the church, and I believe Thyatira represents the church of the dark ages, the medieval age, all the way up to the Reformation. How many of you heard that term, the Reformation? Okay, if you haven't heard the term, the Reformation. The Reformation was the result of, primarily the result of Catholics who discovered the truth they discovered the truth of the gospel, like Martin Luther and such, that, oh, you're saved by faith through grace, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. And the, the, the verse for Martin Luther was, the just shall live by faith. Martin Luther had been trying to earn his salvation through uh, sacraments and things like that. And he, was, he, he kept seeing his own sinful heart. But when he read the scripture which sets a man free, when he read the scriptures and learned about Jesus, when he found out the truth, okay, he put his faith in that and he accepted that and he realized there's a conflict between what my church is teaching and what the Bible is teaching. And as he began to discover this, he began to propagate it. He found freedom in his spirit, in his soul. Okay, but he wasn't the only one. There were men like John Huss, Okay, the, who was a, 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 oh, I think he died in France. There were men like Zwingli, who were up in the, uh, like uh, Finland, Sweden, Norwegian areas. <coughs> and there were other men besides Martin Luther that had come to this reality, this truth, and they began preaching the truth. But here's the deal, they did not disregard all of their Catholic rituals. They wanted to reform the church. That's why it's called the Reformation. So when they came out and started preaching, you started getting groups called the Lutherans. You got groups called the Presbyterians, John Knox over there in Scotland. Okay? <clears throat> and they, uh, uh, they, uh, they, the Anglican church in England, Episcopalian is another word for it. If you need help spitting, just say that. <laughs> These denominations were started by men who were Catholic but discovered the gospel truth and they came out of the Catholic church and new denominations were started, but they didn't come out completely. They still held to a lot of traditions, uh, a lot of, there were still a lot of likenesses between them and the Catholic Church. We'll just go to the baptism area. They still baptized babies, which means they, you didn't have to be saved to be baptized. <coughs> Anyways, what they did though, the gospel was being preached. But the predecessor of all of these men was a man by the name of John Wycliffe who lived in the 1300s, 
shortly before the Gutenberg Press. You ever heard of that term? Okay, the first printing press. Before that came about, John Wycliffe, who was a Catholic priest in England, far enough away for the Pope not to kill him, because he disagreed, because they called him a heretic when he started preaching the gospel. When he started, he, he actually had the audacity to say, I can teach these peasants more the gospel truth than you teach your priests within a, a short period of time. Well, that's got them all stirred up. He said other things. He didn't have a problem speaking the truth. <clears throat> well, John Wycliffe created a stir in England. There was a revival there. And uh, though he died, his writings didn't. And what brought about this Reformation was when these guys like Martin Luther and Zwingli started reading Scripture and reading commentaries and reading, reading the danger, don't read this material, like from John Wycliffe. It stirred their hearts. It made sense. And John Wycliffe is known, here's the term. This is not, I didn't make this up. Read Christian history. John Wycliffe is known as the morning star of the Reformation. I think that's pretty significant. <clears throat> okay, now I wanted to tell that story because I think it's fascinating. And it's important. This is the Thyatira church, as far as the church age leads up to that. But now we're going to go back to the literal church here, the literal church. Now, <clears throat> verse 19. I know thy works and charity and service and faith and thy patience and thy works and the last to be more than the first. Once again, though this letter begins with a kind of a stern introduction of who Jesus is, he first of all commends those who are doing what they ought to do. And the very first thing he really brings to surface outside of, I know thy works, which is a general statement, I know your works, good and bad, good and bad, I know thy works. Uh, he says, I see your charity. Now remember, Ephesus had a problem there. You've left your first love. You don't hear them being bragged on about their charity. They had works, but not charity. Thyatira has charity, and they seem to have works, but they've got something going on that's going to bring some big trouble to them. Now, <clears throat> not to get ahead, I could talk about the other complementary uh, attributes of this church, but I, I believe this is important. You know, there, Ephesus was doing everything right, but they didn't have love. Thyatira, oh, we got love, but we've accepted some things that shouldn't be accepted. Do you realize some people, some ministries and some people, we accept things that are wrong Because love doesn't want to hurt or offend. It's interesting, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when we read about love, the description of what charity really is, it says their love wasn't perfect by no means, and honestly, none of ours is, but we ought to be striving for it. But the Bible says about love, it says it rejoiceth not, or no, it rejoiceth in truth, 
it rejoiceth in truth, and it rejoiceth not in iniquity. True love. <clears throat> but nevertheless, a lot of people, it's possible to be f- filled with this emotional affection for people that you just, you don't have the heart to tell them that you know that behavior is going to bring self-destruction in your life. You continue in that adulterous affair, you're, it's going to, it's going to ruin your marriage. I know you've told me about it. I love you. I, you know. And then there are times when there, there are preachers in, in churches, there are preachers who know good Bible doctrine, and, and, but they don't want to deal with adultery that's taking place in their church, even by people who are involved, very involved. And they don't deal with it, but they love. I love them, you know. And maybe, the, well, just give it time. The Lord will say, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that stuff has to be taken care of. It just has to be taken care of. It's not comfortable, no. You know, the Bible says open rebuke is better than secret love. You see, listen, if we have biblical love, we're going to love the truth. Bible truth will guide our love or guide our emotions and our affection. But it is dangerous when we let our emotions and affections Dictate truth. Inevitably, truth must be. Now listen, God is love, but he's also truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. But he was also love. I love what John said about Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, this church, oh, you could go into this church, ladies and gentlemen, they'd make you feel welcome. I have no doubt they'd make you feel welcome. And in the very fact they make you, made you feel welcome, I bet people would continue to attend. Hello? It might have been a large church. Because that's important. I think God's people ought to make people feel welcome, right? We ought to. They'd make you feel welcome. <coughs> Whether you're saved or lost. And we ought to make people feel welcome so they hear the gospel. But as they continue to attend, continue to attend, continue to grow, uh, apparently the preaching at that church was not giving the whole counsel of God. He didn't have a problem preaching about heaven. It was hell that he kind of avoided. He didn't have a problem preaching about mercy, but you didn't need to because he didn't ever preach about sin. Hello? Why do I need mercy if I'm not aware of my sin? Why do I need mercy if, I'm not, if I don't feel guilty about my, bad beha- my sinful behavior? I'm not going to feel guilty about my sinful behavior if nobody ever talks about it. A lot of times the Spirit of God, if you really say it, the Spirit of God will speak to you. But you know what happens? A lot of times we need need another voice to echo. We come to church and you hear that other voice. Sometimes it's a preacher. Sometimes it's just in passing and it's like, oh man, I got to get that right. Well, that's a good thing, right? But wait a minute, not at Thyatira. You don't have to worry about that. Because they weren't going to preach against sin at Thyatira. Because that church wasn't influenced, wasn't primarily influenced by a preacher, but a prophetess. I'm just showing you what this scripture says. But listen, (coughs) I know people have to grow. And I know people need time to grow. But I also know that the Bible says the church as a body is the pillar and ground of the truth. And the church as a whole 
has a testimony. I realize individuals, we all represent it as we go our separate ways. But as a whole, as a whole, Lord willing, we represent it well. As a whole. Well, Thyatira, as a whole, was not representing the church well. There was corrupt behavior. Do you remember what we read there? We're going to look at it here. We're going to look at it. I move on here. So, uh, I know I, I kind of skipped through verse 19. I mean, hey, praise the Lord. Jesus compliments them. But wait a minute. When you read verses 20 through 24, it appears he has more to say to the other crowd. Hello? Now, let me tell you this. <clears throat> if there's a big bowl of chili... For all of us to eat. And then somebody somehow drops some hemlock in there. Uh, I'm not going to get up and say, you know what, just avoid the hemlock. You're going to be all right. Just, there's, there's, there's still a lot of good chili in there. That wouldn't be wise. You have a family gathering and you have this big stew well, I, I dropped a little, uh, there, I need the name of a poison, Get, arsenic. I dropped a little arsenic in there. It was accidental. I, I meant to put it out for the rats, but it slipped in there. But it's just in that part of the stook. Kids, uh, family, grandkids, just, just be careful. We're not going to do that. I mean, we're going to dump the whole thing out. We are. All right? But we're talking about a body of believers. We're talking about a church that Jesus loves. He loves this church, just like he loves Ephesus and Sardis and Pergamos. He loves this church. He loves these people. Even the people, he loves them, but he loves them enough to tell them the truth. He loves them enough to make some, set the record straight and clear some things up and to give them opportunity to repent because it is apparent they are, the, they are the majority of the church. Because those who are faithful, he says, hold fast. He didn't say, kick them out. And he didn't even tell them to leave. I don't know what's going on there. But he says, hold fast. And maybe they have. Maybe they're having home church now because they had to leave. I don't know. But they're in Thyatira. And so let's look at this here. Verse 20, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit what? Fornication. That's what my Bible says. And to eat, uh, let's see, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. To defile their consciences, those who used to worship heathen gods and the demons, so to speak, and they'd bring their animal sacrifices, but now they got saved. Oh, man. <clears throat> and so they didn't want to eat that meat that was offered to those idols. But this woman says, no, you go right ahead and eat it. It's no problem. Just eat it. Just enjoy it. It's good. And apparently they, started, they did that. <clears throat> Jesus knew... This woman was defiling the consciences and the moral behavior of these people. Now, we need to do this. We need to do a little bit of homework, first of all. Jezebel. Well, who is Jezebel? All right, those of you that know, most of you here Sunday night, you're familiar with her. But back in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 31 and 32 is when we first read about old Jezze. And by the way, for a woman to be called Jezebel is the equivalent for a man to be called Judas. All right? 
And so the Lord is dealing, apparently, with a woman in this particular church. And so, but, and he uses the name Jezebel. I don't know if that's her real name or if he's just giving her that name because everybody knows what, who it is, okay? Uh, usually, they, can, they know. And so, back in 1 Kings, who is Jezebel? Well, Jezebel is King Ahab's wife. King Ahab was the king of Israel. King Ahab, here's what he done. Uh, he found, uh, he wanted an alliance with this king. I think his name was Ethbel. And this king, of, he was a king of Zidon, which was a coastal city in the Mediterranean. And the, uh, <clears throat> he made an alliance. Ahab, by marrying the daughter of this king, he makes an alliance with these people who don't believe in God and worship idols and all kinds of stuff like that. He makes this alliance. He marries her. They go back to Israel. And the Bible immediately tells us that Jezebel took charge. She started putting up temples for Baal worship. How many of you ever heard of the Lord of the Flies? Okay. All right. Baal worship. And uh, not only did she start putting up temples for this idolatry, but she started executing those who opposed it. If you go back to 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18, you'll discover she even tried to get Elijah. She'd already killed many of the prophets. All right? She's a wicked woman. She was an influential woman. She was a wicked woman, influential woman, who was living amongst the people of God, who caused the people of God to become corrupt in their moral behavior. Okay, and so now the Lord says, you have this woman named Jezebel, who's a prophetess, who is seducing. Apparently she had this pull. You know, I don't know, I had two or three commentators said it was the preacher's wife. It wasn't my preacher's wife, I'm telling you what, but in this particular church. And by the way, it's, it's, it's not easy. If, when you've got a, a domineering uh, female personality, got, uh, ladies, I'm just telling you the truth, a domineering female personality is difficult for a man to handle. Nope, everybody's going to stay quiet there. Just stay quiet. <laughs> stay quiet. Especially when they're in the wrong. And so, <clears throat> apparently, they couldn't stop her influence. They weren't willing to. The result was the influence spread. People bought into it, started listening to the lies, turned their hearts from God to self. It says they committed fornication. That's what the Bible says. Well, man, listen, you don't have to be a theologian to understand what that word means, right? I don't have to go through details of that. And then the eating offerings to idols, that simply means defiling their own consciences. And that's never good for a Christian to defile their own conscience. Because that just opens the door for more wickedness. And this is what's going on. What she brought in was, it's okay to live and act like the world. We just need to make people feel accepted. Charity. Charity is a good thing. We need to have charity. But don't sacrifice truth. Don't throw away truth. And then those of you with truth, you're strong in truth, don't sacrifice charity either. We need that balance. 
I'll move on here. <clears throat> Jesus said in verse 21, we're, all, we're going to move quickly. I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Now, that's significant. He gave her space. First of all, that's significant. She was aware of her wrong, and she, he let her know. You got to turn. You better change. She didn't repent. Verse 22. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they, except they, did you catch that word, except they repent? It's like the Lord isn't giving up. They're in the wrong. I mean, it's obvious. It's corrupt. But the Lord says, repent. I don't want to have to do this to you. When I bring down judgment, my chastening hand comes down on you if you're saved. If she's saved at all, I don't know. When it comes down, you're going to know it, and everybody that's followed you is going to know it. It's going to hurt bad. It's going to be grievous. The pain is going to be far worse than the pleasure of the behavior. Hello? Ah, you're going to know it. And by the way, it's going to happen in such a way that the, everybody that's aware of your church is going to know it. And they're going to know that this is my church. I don't tolerate that stuff. Hello, everybody. So... <clears throat> It says, they sufferest, thou sufferest that woman Jezebel in verse 20. That word suffered simply means they permitted, they accepted, or they tolerated. They wouldn't stand up and say something and stop her. <clears throat> so it kept going and the Lord speaks to her, obviously, individually. We come to verse 24, moving along here. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira... As many as have not this doctrine, and which have not known the depths of Satan, as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. And this is it. This is what he says. Okay, those of you that you've done all you could, and maybe they have removed themselves from much of the fellowship because they know maybe there is no other Christian church or no, no other place where they can learn the Word of God. And so they come now and then. It's like they can't. So they, may, who knows what's going on? But God knows where they're at. God knows what's going on in their lives. He says to them, oh, because, hey, you know what? A letter from John, that's going to draw the crowd out. Oh, John the Apostle wrote a letter, and uh, it's strictly from Jesus. you got to... And so the old crowd comes, they, the church all gathers together. There's no absenteeism that day, and they're there, and they hear that. These, these old faithful folks that knew there's stuff going on in the church that we can't change. And they hear that, and they say, they hear Jesus say, hold fast till I come. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Don't give up. Don't give up. Stay faithful. I will return. And then we move on here. Just I want to keep on reading this. Verse 26, and he that overcometh, because you're going to have to overcome some things, uh, and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Oh, what does that mean? Oh, the Bible tells us this. They that suffer with him will also reign with him. Will also reign with him. In the millennial reign of the thousand years after the tribulation period, those of us believers who have been raptured up, we will rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who have suffered, those who have overcome, uh, there's going to be greater rewards, greater positions, greater uh, 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 responsibilities of service or privileges of service. And uh, we will take part in keeping things right on planet Earth. I know that almost, it's like, what, really? That's, that's it. That's the Bible. That's the truth. That's going to happen. <clears throat> and so... Verse 27, and he, oh, I already read that. Verse 28, and I will give him the morning star. 
Now listen, I mentioned that, you know, John Wycliffe, that was no accident. He's called the Morning Star. But the Morning Star is the Lord Jesus Christ. No doubt that's a personal relationship. That's an intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ that they didn't have before. But what does the Morning Star represent in a literal sense? What does the Morning Star represent? When we, when we think of the sky, we think of night and all of that. Anybody? What's that? It means the new day is coming. The new, a new day is coming. The morning star, a new day's coming. And I'm here to tell you, you stay faithful and you're gonna, God's gonna give, He's gonna give you the light and the hope you need. A new day is coming. It's interesting, to the church of Thyatira, He saves this for last. He never saved it for last prior. In all the other churches, He said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And He said it a little earlier, but now He says, Now he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. Under the churches. He says it there in verse 29. He says that after all else has been said, he says, okay, you've all heard it now. And may you know who you are. Some of you still have time to repent. Some of you need to hold fast. But there's some moral corruption taking place that's going to defile. It is defiling you. It's defiling the church. Now, let's make this real simple before I wrap all of this up and conclude it with an amen. And we all go home and <clears throat> we get our little snacks and we sit on our couch and do whatever we want to do. Let me, let me just say this now. Turn over to 2 Corinthians 5.10 if you would. 2 Corinthians 5.10. <clears throat> I might be able to remember it. If not, if you have your Bible open, you can give, it, give me some clarity. 2 Corinthians 5.10, the Bible says this, uh, something like this, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Does it say that? Yes. To give an, account of the good, uh, uh, give an account of our body, whether we've done good or bad. I was a little bit off there. That's the McNair paraphrase. What's your say? That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Who's that talking to? Is that talking to un unsafe people? It's talking to safe people. Because you and I, listen, you and I, when we got saved, we still have the old nature that is inclined to listen to Jezebel. We still have the old nature that is, can be seduced. Hello? And don't think you can't. He that standeth, take heed lest he fall. That old nature's there. Weak. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to lead the God I love. But on the same token, in this very same body as a believer, in this very same body dwells the Holy Ghost of God. There's a new nature that knows what the truth is, knows the right path, knows what I should do and ought to do. Oh, there's a new nature that every now and then hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Oh, what a blessing it is. But then there, then there are other occasions where, well, I'm just so tired. I'm just so weak. i got to go to church. I just don't feel like reading my Bible. Oh, it'd be so much easier to just sit and watch TV and be entertained and play video games and do what I want to do and feed and gratify my flesh regardless. Talk to me, class. Every single person, every child of God has to deal with both of those things. <coughs> and we need to be mindful that if Jezebel has been having her way in our lives, Jesus has a message for you. You want to ruin your family? You let that influence of Jezebel take charge.
You want to ruin your life? Right there. You want to defile your conscience? Oh, right there. Oh, sin is pleasurable for a season or people wouldn't buy it. It's pleasurable. Oh, my. The first bite of, of the devil's apple always tastes good. It's when that worm sticks his head out and when it gets a little gross. And so I, this is the personal application for all of us. Paul said to Timothy, he said, uh, in the last days there'll be doctrines of devils, seducing spirits. And you and I know it's all around us right now, all around us. Turn the TV on, turn the radio on, turn the internet on. I mean, you listen to people that we used to trust. Even going to school on some occasions, there are certain teachers like, what are you teaching? Come on. Are you serious? You believe that? You don't have enough sense to... The gender issue. The gen- that's just blowing my brain. I, you don't understand there's a difference between boys and girls? And, are you kidding me? You, you, justi- you justify a man participating in women's sports? You justify this woman, this man, weight, weightlifter, uh, who, who can lift a hundred more pounds than any woman weightlifter, and, and, but he is identifying as a woman, so it's all right. Where did that come from? I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I know it sounds like I'm on a tangent, but I'm hoping even, even the women in our country, even the women in our country, who may not believe the Bible the way you, you and I do, many of them are sick of that. I mean, even common sense comes to a place where, whoa, what is going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on. When you take God out of the picture, you take the Bible out of the picture, you open the door. I can't say Pandora's box anymore because we've got a Pandora in the room, you know. <laughs> you open the door to all kinds of wickedness. No, don't imply that I said Pandora was wicked at all. She's a godly, God-fearing lady. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> when you remove the light, what do you get? That's what you get. And Thyatira there has become a very dark church. Lord, bless the service. Thank you for the word of God. Help your people. Help us, Lord. <coughs> Help us to take inventory of our own hearts. You emphasize that you search the reins and the hearts of all of us. Help us, Lord, to take inventory. Bless our invitation. I don't know the struggles of individuals in the church, <coughs> but I do know you're the answer. Help us, Lord, to, to be pure. Help us to be Men and women that have integrity and, Lord, can be trustworthy and that are filled with love and grace and kindness to anybody and everybody, but also people who have some lines drawn in the sand in regards to our behavior and what we'll allow in our own homes and what we'll allow in our church because things do have to be done decently and in order. Truth needs to be honored. Lord, I pray work in hearts. Bless your invitation in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Brian.